Welcome to this week's Treasury Career Corner podcast, where I interview treasury professionals about their treasury careers. Each and every week, I talk to treasurers about how they built their careers, where they are now, and where they see both themselves and the treasury profession going to next. In this week's show, I made sure to get the pronunciation right. I'm joined by Paul Mizzere, the Treasury Director for EMEA at Medtronic. Now, for those who don't know, Medtronic are a global healthcare solutions company. They're founded in 1949, been going so over 60 years. Their mission is to alleviate pain, restore health, extend life for people around the world. We'll get Paul to explain that because he's been there for a number of years and we'll you know, dig into that as well. Uh, but as I say, they're sort of over 160 countries basically across the world. And you know, we can talk about some of the challenges maybe healthcare and the industry is facing. But really what I wanted to dig into today was Paul and his treasury career. Obviously, a lot of the people listening are treasury analysts, managers. Now, Paul's actually been with Medtronic for 17 years, but he originally started in banking straight out of university. So maybe give us that and take us back to the dim distant past, but then walk us through your Medtronic career because you know, you've just been at one company for a number of years, but it's, and I've seen on your resume and background, Paul, and people see on LinkedIn, You've made some progression and moved through it. So take us back to your early start in Treasury, if you would. Thank you, Mike, for the opportunity. So, yeah, after uh, completing my studies, so I, did, I have a BA in commercial economics and a master in general economics. I first started my career at uh, Rabobank, indeed, mm-hmm. a regional bank, as a private banker advising so private clients about their investment portfolio. Mm-hmm. mainly stocks and options. I left that organization shortly after 9-11. I only had bad news conversations and I joined uh, Metronic in 2002 as a treasury analyst. Right. To be that honest, having no clue what treasury actually entailed <laughs> back then. So I just started fresh. I think what definitely helped, albeit it was short, the experience in uh, banking and working in a commercial environment Mm-hmm. When it comes down to basically maintaining the relationship with the bankers, right? We we somewhat talk the same language. I, however, learned quickly that treasury in a corporate environment is a completely different ball game uh, than working for a bank in a more commercial environment. Mm. I mean, back then, Metronic uh, just completed an RFP selecting one banking partner. They were already pretty sophisticated having a host-to-host connection with that bank industry standard and they were in the midst of rationalizing their banking infrastructure in the EMEA region which we I have to say since then continue doing because Medtronic is a highly acquisitive uh, company so we continuously inherit all sorts of bank infrastructures from the companies that we recently acquired. Progressed indeed from a career perspective started leading a small team building that from scratch when we started deploying SAP as our Mm -hmm. ERP system. So I worked actually on some bank reconciliation activities, so more accounting-related activities. Back then, indeed, EMEA, relatively, well, for short, less complex than we are organized today. So at a certain moment in time, I started diversifying, started leading bigger teams in a shared service center activity. So continued having oversight on treasury, but I started adding activities like intercompany fixed assets. I've even led an external audit at a certain moment in time, which was definitely out of my comfort zone. Added cash application, credit management, so more shared service center related activities. Again, some of the listeners here, you know, when did you first get your first 
leadership role. So you started, and when we say way back then, we're talking, you started there in 2002 yeah. and yep. you, sort of, you were a treasury analyst till 06. Did you then make the first sort of step to start to mentor people? How did you get into that? Because again, We'll have guys early on in their careers, you sort of four or five years. Mm-hmm. We recently inter- interviewed Marcus Keady. He, you know, was 26 and he was group treasurer leading a team. It was like, whoa, you know, relatively yeah. young. And, and he talked about some of the things. Again, for the listeners, how did you do that? And yeah. how did you make that transition? It was a bit of a natural kind of move. I did express, but that's what a lot of people do, right? Express, oh. I want to be a people leader, but. It's not that obvious. I can definitely say it is not obvious leading people. I started, yeah, in 2006, I got the opportunity to start mentoring, coaching an analyst, as well as two new team members uh, setting up a bank reconciliation process from scratch. So I got the mandate to basically start leading and composing a, a team. But yeah, the the scope was a mayor. So for me, that was definitely quite a challenge to from within the team to start leading the team that I, I used to uh, work with. So mm-hmm. that, that was another element that was uh, making it a bit uh, difficult, I have to say. But yeah, in 2006, I started leading a team mm-hmm. and then I went on to to bigger teams up to, I don't know, at a certain moment I time, 20, 30 people, wow. with also, which also had its challenges. The team is now smaller, but yeah, I mean, the work continues to be the same from a people management perspective. How do you manage 30 people? I mean, we'll talk about 12 people, but, you know, (laughs) surely, you know, how do you do your day job? And at the same time, 30 people are sending you emails and or calling you, boss, what do we do? How, you know, you're you're our leader. What do we do? I learned pretty fast to work on setting up an organization like and by experience right so if you indeed have 10 20 people continuously at your desk and it depends on how mature that team and those team members are as well i learned fast that it, it needs some organization so I, I i quickly tried to negotiate and work with my hiring manager to put uh, and to to basically elevate and empower people within the organization to to become, for example, a supervisor. Mm. Where it made sense, right? Because it doesn't mean that if you are really well content-wise and you're a specialist, that you, per definition, are also able to supervise or to lead people. So I learned pretty fast to put in a a layer of supervisors Mm. in order to help me out to work on other elements like being more tactical and more strategic than just working on operations and uh, and develop people. Mm. So I I really loved having a right balance between definitely further developing uh, people and taking them to the next level. But I definitely also want to work on the strategic tactical part and work on projects. And when you're talking about those people, I noticed, you know, mm-hmm. the, again, the listeners would be able to look on your LinkedIn profile and see that you've done a number of sort of training courses and you've been coached yourself and things like that. Looking back at that training you've received, you know, there was development planning for yourself. There was selection training about how to recruit people, identify people. What what would sort of stands out to you from that? What did you mm-hmm. take from that? You know, you also did talent acquisition, yeah. which is our job. So you need to keep calling us, which is fine. Uh, but, you know, yeah. how, how did you find good talent or what was the sort of, how did you keep that going? 
I think what I set up with Dematronic, which I'm a strong believer in, is that from a development perspective, there's a 70-20-10 rule, meaning 70 is, 70% of your time should be dedicated to on-the-job training. I learned most of it by just doing it. And sometimes you fail and sometimes you succeed. And then 20% is coaching and mentoring from the hiring manager. And that's what I apply to my people as well. And then 10% is more formal training. And that can be hard skills or soft skills. That can be internal courses, external courses, e-learning, anything. And the latter, I think it depends on the person as well. In what kind of stage of their career are they? Are they even interested, right? It's not that you should, it should be mandatory per definition because I, I think some people don't want to do a formal training. They, they prefer to, to have 80% on the job training and 20% coaching and mentoring. So mm. what I learned is that it, yeah, it, it depends on the person. If I look at it at me personally, yeah, I learn most to be honest, uh, by on-the-job training and listening to peers, but also hiring managers. And I had hiring managers six, seven, eight now already in the past 17 years and all had different characteristics. Uh, and, and I just tried to absorb as much as possible from, from their strengths. Okay. And we're talking a lot about people, yeah. but let's focus a little bit more mm-hmm. on just some of the treasury aspects, if you like, because as we said, yeah. maybe, you know, more recently you, you've, you know, we, you did the integration with Comedian and you've done some various other bits, but talk through the treasury piece, if you like. One of the questions, you know, I, I did pitch this to Paul before because I want to be a bit cheeky with him. You know, yeah. you've been Medtronic since 2002, 17 years in the same company. Yeah. Surely that limits your treasury views and you're exposed to different ideas and ways of doing treasury, you've just worked at one mm-hmm. company. Surely that, you know, yep. one way, it's a Medtronic way, thanks very much. You'll explain that to, again, the, the listeners. I mean, that's the initial perception that you may have and others may have. Obviously, as I mentioned, we are a highly acquisitive company, so we inherit infrastructures from other companies. And we've definitely learned from that. It's not that we uh, immediately apply the infrastructure or the policies that we have as a company. We try to take the best out of other infrastructures as well. And we try to keep abreast of all of the uh, developments out there as well. So I and my team members have been participating in uh, treasury roundtables. Uh, you've got obviously the Dutch Association of Corporate Treasurers. There's a regional roundtable in the southern part of the Netherlands that is being held every quarter. We attend the Eurofinance. We attend actually the, 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 the Neu Group roundtable twice a year as well. Mm-hmm. So we are trying to keep up to speed with what, what our peers and other companies are doing. And as well as we collaborate a lot with our internal SAP and IT colleagues to understand what kind of innovative solutions are out there. And last but not least, we try to partner as as much as we can with our main banking partners Mm. as well to just try to understand like what is out there, what are other companies doing that we are not doing. And what I forgot to mention, Mike, is that obviously in the 17 years that I've been working with the company, I've had a lot of team members as well coming from other companies, Mm. be it competitors sometimes even, 
be it from the banking industry, but also from having a corporate treasury background with, with other companies. Hmm. Yeah, and, and, and they come, come with a completely different mindset as well. And they pose the exact right questions. What is important, obviously, for me and, and, and some others that have been with the company for a longer period is to stay open-minded, Mike. Hmm. Uh, it's not like, okay, this is what we've been doing for many, many years, this is the right thing. We, we look in, have to look into the mirror as well. I need to stay as open-minded as possible there as well. And in terms of then, you know, over that time, what would you say sort of the standout moments, the career highlights, if you like, that, well, we implemented mm-hmm. this and we got a big award for it, or, you know, we took these, yeah. this team from here to there, or, you know, what are the things that, you know, jump out at you that you sit back and go, that was pretty good, that was. You know, what, what would you say? It was definitely shortly after the Covidian acquisition in 2015. Matronic is a company that offers a lot of uh, responsibilities to a lot of people in the organization. And I was being asked to actually lead three integration efforts at the same time, which was definitely... Relaxing, uh, Relaxing. feet up. Yeah, yeah exactly. No at all. Yeah. yeah. So what stands out there is that I recommended and led an, an integration effort to move... Uh, cash application activities from one location to the other. Mm-hmm. What was successful is that we implemented shortly before that an automation tool in order mm-hmm. to to make that happen. I was being asked completely out of my comfort zone to centralize credit and collection function in the region. So mm-hmm. we managed in a relatively short period to move 50, 60 hats to a central location. And last but least, part of the integration effort we were doing a, we called it a legal entity integration project by basically merging the various sales organizations we had, so Covidian and Metronic, into mm. one, mm. which meant, and I led it from a treasury perspective, mm. uh, not overall. But yeah, that, that was definitely something that immediately came to my mind when you, when you asked. Yeah. yeah. You know, we, we actually probably skip past them again from some of the listeners they won't know medtronic if you like so with medtronic mm-hmm. perhaps again explain if you would what medtronic yeah. who they are what they do but also how that then impacts on treasury you know how do you then provide your treasury services as a treasury team to the group you know because you know if you're doing it for a FMCG company and, you know, a drinks company. Mm-hmm. There are lots of different treasury pressures to a healthcare companies. So yep. maybe you can explain that a bit. Healthcare indeed, Medtronic, annually 30 billion of revenue, having a market cap of 150 billion by now. Global provider of uh, medical technology and therapies. Indeed, mission is to alleviate pain, restore health and extend life. Mm-hmm. Initially, I have to say that was not something that I was immediately being triggered by, but if you learn, if you work for this company for a certain period, this definitely gets into your DNA. This is why you are working for this company. And perhaps it sounds corny, but Mm. it's definitely something that Matronic spends a lot of time on as well. If you look at how we contribute to this, it's a, it's a specific market. So we've got sales organizations all over the place, meaning they, they need the basics, right? Bank accounts, credit facilities, and so on. Mm. We are in a business where we uh, deal with a lot of public hospitals, meaning that we need to participate in uh, tenders. So we work together with our businesses directly, business finance, to make sure that they have all the facilities in place to participate in those standards. And then you can think of 
we need to issue zillions of bid and performance bonds in order to even participate in a tender like that. Mm. The foundation is basically laid by us as a treasury organization for all the sales organizations, but also the manufacturing plants and R&D facilities that we have in the EMEA region to basically not worry about anything when it comes down to banking. So they don't need to worry whether there's sufficient cash to pay their bills, payroll, and so on. They don't need to worry uh, how to collect cash. That is the primary responsibility for us as a function. Mm -hmm. If you know that we are in more than 25 countries, we've got over 150 entities, that is definitely something that requires an infrastructure. And we've been working hard with the, with the regions to make sure that that is uh, up and running. And the integration with, you know, the global treasury, because the global treasury is based in the US and you're in EMEA, yeah. you know, how does your sort of global function work, the global sort of passing it around the world, as it were, or what's the sort of ethos there? So I'll report into the treasurer in the US indeed. Mm. In the US, we've got centralized functions like capital markets, uh, who takes care of the issuance of the external debt uh, commercial paper, knowing though that that is being run through entities here in Europe. So we are responsible for Electronic PLC, the mother company, which resides in Ireland. Mm. And we've got quite some presence in Switzerland and Luxembourg as well. And all of these transactions basically flow through these entities. So our collaboration is key with capital markets, but also with the corporate AVIX team who takes care of globally on hedging our AVIX exposures. Mm. Again, the majority of the ex exposures are in EMEA. So again, also there, a lot of collaboration is needed uh, with the AVIX team. Also knowing that we as a function here in EMEA are running a global multilateral netting process. Also there, we take care of a lot of data as well as AVIX exposures, and we need to collaborate with the team in the U.S., as well as the cash and liquidity management team in the U.S. There's a whole bunch of activities. I'm not sure... We are not following the sun, Mike, mm, from a cash mm. and liquidity management, but there is definitely an, a handover occurring at a certain moment in time. So, yeah, we, we are on calls with them constantly. There are regularly meetings to just make sure that we are as aligned as possible, mm. regardless of the time zone differences, obviously. And you mentioned yeah. earlier in the show that you integrated from your very early days, you integrated very directly with your banking partners, and that was obviously a key driver. Now, you know, we talk in previous shows about treasury technology being a big driver, but we've talked there a bit more about the people that actually push the buttons, which is just as important. But where have you seen treasury develop over the time you've been in it so far and then going to next? You know, what have you seen as the key developments and see as the developments going forward sort of thing? When I started in 2002, definitely somewhat a sophisticated setup with a host-to-host -host connection. But, I mean, I was sending wires through a modem, right? And using a floppy disk to encrypt it and sending fax instructions for AVX spot deals kind of things, right? I've seen, and, and we've been implementing quite some technology here and there to further automate that and streamline these 
activities. And I think we will continue doing that. We are in the midst of uh, rolling out globally a TMS, a treasury management system. What I foresee, and that, that's something that my opinion is that we would like to get rid of all those recurring activities as soon as possible by implementing the TMS and other functionality, which means also potentially a change in the mindset of team members, right? I would foresee us being much more involved in analytics and insights, providing that not just to other team members within the organization, but also to other functions like uh, shared services. When it comes down to having more fact-based analytics and insights on working capital initiatives like in AP and AR than we are doing today. I think we have access to so much data, but we haven't been using it to the fullest. I think there's still a lot of value add that we can show towards the organization by further automating, recurring and operational activities. And how do you measure that success then from there? So, you know, what are you, you know, what standard are you holding yourselves up to? Is it that, right, we want, you know, we straight through process, ours took us three days, is now, mm-hmm. you know, a few hours, but then you want it a few minutes, a few seconds, or is it, where does the value yeah. add come from? What, what, what sort of mm-hmm. benchmark are you using to measure yourselves? I think when it comes down to KPIs as a laser, so that's something that we've definitely been uh, focusing on in the past years. I think we're, pretty up to speed when it comes down to straight through processing on payments and how to deal with collections. I think that foundation has been laid. I think there's still some room for improvement, but we're, we're, we're close to, I don't know, 99% in most of the cases. Mm. I think where we, and that is all about automation and make it more efficient, right? Where I think we can add value as a function is to start using that data and to really a bit of a buzzword to really business partner with other functions like business finance, but also shared services to even further improve working capital, for example. Are there ways to increase our terms to vendors? Are there ways to uh, more easily and hopefully earlier collect cash from Mm. uh, our, our customers? Can we contribute by talking about I don't know, other areas like supply chain financing, uh, leasing. I mean, we, we recently acquired a business that is highly capital intense. Is there a way where we can contribute for you to do to, to improve your ways of doing business with, with our customers? And just, and I don't want this to be an unfair question to you because you might not know, but when I first started in trade recruitment 20 plus years ago, I felt that, and you know, I only learned it in more recent years, that I think treasury was its own worst enemy. It became this specialist area. Mm-hmm. And I saw a lot of treasurers at the yep. beginning, I think, sort of get, trying to get their pay rises because, hey, we're specialist treasury. We're over in a corner and we do this. But in yep. the time that I've seen it, you know, treasury got closer and closer to the business to say, oh, guys, actually, we can help you rather than, you know, be that black box treasury guys or the black box tax guys in the corner, you know, want to be more integrated. You know, with that yep. integration and things, you know, you sound like you guys have done it well, but what would your comments or thoughts be on that? Would you say that when you first started, treasury was this specialist secret area, smoke and mirrors sort of thing? Or what's what, what have you seen in that, that perspective? I can definitely relate to that. Although mm. as a region, we've always been part of a financial shared service center, Mike, and that right. definitely helped. So there was already from the beginning a close collaboration with functions like 
the accounts payable department, but also the credit and collections department. Mm-hmm. So it was not that we were on an island. I, I think back in the days, we actually collaborated much more with shared services than like, with uh, departments like tax and legal. Right. I think it's now the other way around. There are much, there's much more interaction and collaboration with tax and legal to some extent, finance, lesser extent, accounts payable. So the shared services, because most of the work has already been done, I would say. Mm, mm. At the same time, though, we as a company are also penetrating into new markets. It's not the Germany, but it's, it's like Egypt. Think of Egypt and Pakistan. And that definitely brings along new challenges, which makes us collaborate, again, much more with shared services than before. But I see where you're coming from. It's considered, same as as a tax department, considered a bit as a Nietzsche, right? A specialized function. Mm. We, I think, as a result of that, we do have a seat at the table for most of the initiatives, but I also see the constant need for me and others to explain why we are adding mm-hmm. value to the organization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that continues to be in a, a topic. So as we you know, come towards the end of today's show, we hit this about half an hour, 40 minutes, someone's daily commute, as it were. Someone will look at your, and we'll put your, a link to your LinkedIn profile in the show notes so people can, you know, potentially connect to you. They'll only connect to you if it's useful for them. You know, don't, you know, don't get annoyed. But joking aside, if someone looks at your profile and says, do you know what? I'd like that career, you know, start in banking, but then develop my treasury path to, you know, similar role to Paul. What, what sort of elements of advice or what would be the advice you give to them? We talked earlier, you've got people management, you're in a successful company. We've got the, 70% 70% on the job training. But, you know, what are the things that you would pick out maybe on a more personal level to tell mm-hmm. people? Is it, you know, go get some training? Is it to integrate with, you know, the local ACT? Or, you know, what are the key things mm-hmm. that stand out for you, would you say, as we, you know, come towards today's, the end of today's show? If you have a, a general interest in, in treasury, I mean, mm-hmm. you should reach out to people like me and others or within your organization to get a better understanding of what that exactly entails. Right. If you want to be successful in treasury, but I think in general can be in finance or any, any other function, I think what I experienced at least is that you shouldn't be afraid to, how do you say that, to take advantage of an opportunity when offered, right? Mm. At the same time, though, it needs to feel right. I'm a bit of a, <laughs> I'm, I'm sensitive to that. I mean, I've, for example, that certain departments where activities were explored that were not close to my heart, Mike, but the Mm. team was. Mm. And I also experienced it the other way around. So it could even be within the treasury function that there are some elements which, I don't know, it's not having an immediate interest, but it could be that there are other challenges that makes it really appealing for you to step in to, to overcome those challenges. It can be from a people management perspective, but can also be that there are opportunities to further automate and work with vendors and bankers on really innovative solutions. Mm. If you look at, at treasury, if you are interested in like working with banks, working with SAP IT on really sophisticated and innovative solutions, I think then you should pursue a career within treasury. I mean, as I just said, having a seat at the table for many, many projects, that is definitely an element that energizes me. Mm. But but yeah, 
again, I, I mentioned, I continue mentioning team, but that is definitely something that is close to my heart and makes me come to the office every day. Mm. And this integration, I, again, when I do each the end piece of every show, I sort of write down some, some people have, you know, do this, do this, study this or whatever. But again, what I'm getting for you is like integrating with those partners, working with them, mm-hmm. and they'll make you successful and obviously makes your job more interesting, which is great. Yeah. Absolutely. Paul, amazing. Thank you for your time today. Really appreciated it. For listeners, again, we'll put it in the LinkedIn show, the well, the LinkedIn connection, rather. You connect to Paul, as I say, if it's going to be useful. Paul, all reminds me to say thank you very much. Continue with your very successful career. Obviously, as a recruitment firm ourselves, sometimes frustrating when a client has a really successful 17-year career and won't keep moving around. You want him to move because... You know, we need them to move sometimes, but you know, we'll keep talking. Yeah. One day, maybe one day. You know, uh, we'll, we'll we'll get you. <laughs> Thanks for your time. I will tell Mike. Thanks, Thanks. for your time. Thanks very much.